Let's look in Daniel chapter 4 tonight, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here and and try to give you some thoughts, kind of introduce, introduce this chapter. Um, again, this book of Daniel is a book of miracles, and, um, and it's very prophetic. Um, in fact, every, and that's one of the things I feel like I've been missing is, uh, or not emphasizing enough, is the prophetic nature of it. Um, but but it's amazing how all these years, many thousand years ago, how God was telling telling us exactly how things were going to fall out. And I appreciate. It. And by the way, if you look at this book, everything He said that was going to happen has most of it has already happened. And so why should we doubt that the rest of it's going to happen? And um, but we're going to look here in Daniel chapter four and. Uh, you, Let's look in verse number 28. Let's start reading there. And the Bible says this, Daniel chapter 4 and verse 28. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked into, in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Now, they say, I want you to understand Babylon, what a great city it was. They said that he had three palaces inside the city of Babylon. And the greatest palace he had was in the south, and they said it was 300 yards long and 250 yards wide. Now, I don't know how many square feet that is, but when you measure a house in yards and not feet, that's a big house. They, in, in Babylon, he built what's, what was called the Hanging Gardens. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. His wife was from Media, which was uh, tropical and had mountains. And they said basically he built a mountain in the middle of the city and, and, and put all kind of uh, tropical plants. And I mean, it was a, a, a majestic place. In fact, Alexander the Great um, intended to make it his capital before he was overcome. They had two walls going around the city, an outer wall, an inner wall. One, The outer wall was 15 foot wide. The inner wall was 45 feet wall, uh, wide. The outer wall was 95 feet tall. The inner wall was 60 feet tall. It was a massive, had water going around on the inside and outside of those walls. It was a, they said over 200, over 2 million people. Now, in our day and time, we, there's many cities with 2 million people, but you understand there was a lot less people on the earth then than now. I hope you understand, get that. There weren't 7 billion, 8 billion. There, there was about half a billion people on earth, they say, at that time. 2 million of them lived in this one city. And he gets up and he's walking around in verse number 29. And the king spake in verse 30 and said, Now, here's where he messes up. Is it not this great Babylon... That I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. He made a mistake. And the Bible says this that in verse 31 while the word was in the king's mouth. That means before he could ever, before that last syllable, before that last sound, it went quiet. He heard, the Bible says, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. The Bible, listen, the Bible teaches that God can give and he can take away. And the Bible says this in the verse 32, And they shall drive thee from men, 
And thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over thee. That means seven years. Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whosoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help me. Lord, there is so much uh, in this chapter, there is so much in this portion of Scripture that we could speak about. But I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd help me just to say the things that are appropriate for this time, at this moment in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bring it alive to me and you'd bring it alive to those that are here. I pray we wouldn't stare at the Bible tonight like some ancient history book that's come off the shelves of some dusty library. But I pray that as we look upon the Word of God and as we hear the Word of God, that we would realize this book is alive, it's vibrant, and it's willing and ready to speak to our hearts tonight. And I pray, God, tonight that you would help me and everyone that's here tonight to learn the valuable lessons here from the life of Nebuchadnezzar and the great mistakes that he made and help us not to go out and repeat history in our own lives. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. What we read is towards the end of the chapter, and I'm, I'm going to go back. You can turn back, in fact, to chapter number 4 and verse 1. Some, many might have heard uh, about this and heard preaching from this, but in the book of Daniel, we had the, the dream about the image. Remember? And each part of that image, it was symbolic of the kingdoms of men. And we I'm not going to repeat that. It was prophetic. And then in this chapter, it's prophetic as well. He, he had a dream about a tree. And it was this great tree and it grew high all the way up to heaven and its, and its branches went way out and every beast of the, on earth and every bird of the air came under that tree or came in that tree and found shelter and found food and, and that tree is symbolic of Babylon and the kingdom and, and even in a bigger picture, I'll, I'll mention it here in a minute, uh, but anyway, that, that tree got cut down. And after David, Daniel told him this, he said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do, Nebuchadnezzar. You need to repent. You need to get right with God. You need to get rid of your sin with righteousness. And, and listen, and, and the Bible says after 12 months. Now, that speaks of the long-suffering of God. And aren't you glad that God gives man time to repent? People say, well, why is God letting this go on in our world? Why? How come Jesus hadn't come back yet? The long-suffering of God. And, uh, and so we, see, we read about where this dream was fulfilled in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And he claimed, here's where he messed up. He claimed that everything he saw and everything he had was gained by his own power. What would we call that? That's called pride. And, and listen tonight, none of us here have a greater enemy than pride. And, and, and so I want to preach tonight and probably next week, I don't know how long, but I want to preach a simple thought on be humble or be humbled. There's only one letter difference, but there's a world of difference. 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell, but I'd say we all could tell stories in our life where we were humbled by God. And we say this night, being humbled is not a pleasant experience. In fact, if you were to find Nebuchadnezzar before he died and near the end of his life and, and asked him about the worst seven years of his life, he would have said, well, I don't remember everything about it, but I remember sleeping out in the fields at night, the dew covering my body and my hair I'd become like eagle's feathers and my nails grew out like claws and I lost my mind, I was insane and it was all because I took credit for what God had done in my life. I want to say this tonight, if it, wasn't, if it was not appropriate, let me put it that way, if it was not appropriate for Nebuchadnezzar to have pride, then surely it's not appropriate for us to have pride. What I mean to say is, most people would have looked at him and said, well, he's got a right to be proud. He was the general of these armies. He was the leader of this kingdom. If anybody in the world should be proud, it's him. But I want you to know tonight, it wasn't right for Nebuchadnezzar to be proud, and it ain't right for us to be proud. And if we become full of pride, God, like he said in this this dream, he can cut the biggest tree down in the woods. A lot of times we think we're bigger than we actually are and taller and wider, but it doesn't matter how tall or how wide. When God brings out the axe of judgment, He can cut any tree down. We can be humble or we can be humble. Andrew Murray said this, Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live there. As long as pride is like poison. I've got a special formula for killing grass and trees and weeds and anything else. Cats, I mean, uh, uh, you know, broadleaves and cats. And, and if, they not on, if they drink it, it's their own fault. And when you spray that, Brother Dave, at first it don't look like nothing. And I've had people, and I don't break it out unless they say this, I want everything gone. And when they say that, I had one recently, he has a ditch that his wife makes him weed it, and it's about 150 foot long or longer. And I mean, it's a bugger of a ditch, and he has to weed eat it all summer long. And, and, and he called me up, and I, he said, hey, I want you to spray some of that good stuff on this ditch. I said, are you sure about that? I said, because when I spray this, you're not going to have a ditch in front of your house. It's going to be a canyon. He said, oh yeah, go ahead and spray it. I said, all right. I said, I'll bring the foiler over there. I'll mix it up. And he said, how much are you going to charge? And I told him, he said, do it. He said, put it on there thick. He said, I want it gone. I don't want to weed eat it no more. And, and about, and, and brother Aaron, you know who this guy is. And, and he called me back. It, it was like within, within not hours, but within minutes. Hey, hey, uh, let's just forget about spraying that ditch. And I sat there and I said, I said, I, I said, I said, well, what changed? And I could hear a little faint voice in the car. Tell him why. Tell him why. He said, oh, I, I, I'm just going to keep weed eating it. I, you know, it ain't that hard. It ain't that big a deal. And, uh, and uh, I said, now that don't sound. I said, what happened? And, and I could hear a, a lady's voice saying, you don't say a word to him. <laughs> Tell you what happened. Mama found out about it. And guess what? He, he's, I just seen the other day. That thing's been weed eating down the ground. But what I'm saying is, I, I, I had a point in saying that. Pride is like that poison. 
When it first enters, and, and Nebuchadnezzar had been there for a long time, and everything looked good, but listen, when it's done, it leaves something ugly behind. And as long as pride is in us, and if, unless pride dies in us, then nothing in heaven can live in us. I read this, they said there was once a proud rooster who convinced every animal in the barnyard that the sun got up every morning to hear him crow. You know, there's a lot of people think the sun gets up for them. They think that this and it's them. It's all, and that's where Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a walking on the top of his palace and he said, look at all this that I've done by my mind and by my honor and my majesty. And you know what he was doing? He was crawling about all that he had done. But he found out real quick that God can humble any man. No, listen now, we ought to be humble. And let me say this, the most vile form of pride is religious pride. When we act like, well, I'm a good Christian and I'm this and I'm that and I'm better than them. Just like that Pharisee that come in there telling everybody and praying out loud and saying, I'm so glad I'm not like other men are. I'm glad I don't do what other men do. I'm glad that I'm better than they are. And then there was a man that come in, a humble man, beating his chest and said, be merciful to me. Have mercy on me. And Jesus said, that man went home justified because he was humble. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, it teaches us that pride is what cost Satan and one-third of the angelic host their home in heaven. This is what Satan said. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the earth, above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of congregation of the sides of the Lord. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like Brother Mays Jackson preached a sermon like called the seven-eyed monster. There's seven eyes in that, and it's all about pride. And Satan said this. He said, Yet, and God, he said, I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell for the size of the pit. Bible says this in Proverbs 11 12 When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16 8 Pride goeth before destruction. Have you ever been talking to your wife or maybe your husband and, and you're kind of, you know, uh, bragging a little bit on yourself and talking about, and, and you know, and, and how you had never done this or you, you've always done that. And it always seems like whenever you do that, you end up not doing what you said you've never done or, do, or, or, or doing what you said you've never done. And it always backfires. Go down the road tonight and say, I've not got a speeding ticket in forever and see what happens. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. You'll see I mean, listen, have you ever got on to your wife about something or she got on to you? Or you understand, I know y'all don't do that. I'm not talking get on, but uh, what, what do we call that? Uh, 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 conversate with your husband or wife and, and maybe you, you know, you got to give them a heart. And then, and then you do something that you was getting upset with them about and it just, there's shame involved when there's pride. Verse, 29, verse 23 of Proverbs 29 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble spirit. My mom's said a lot of things to me in my life, but one of the greatest things she's ever told me and has helped me, and it's one of those things that one of them she always says, eat an elephant one bite at a time. You can't do everything at one time. You just got to do things one time, one day at a time, one decision at a time, one more time. But another thing she's always said is always take the humble route. 
A lot of times when we make decisions, we look at it and we say, what's going to benefit me the most? What's going to help me the most? What's going to be the easiest on me? What's going to make my life better? And, 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 and she's told me that. And, and listen, I, I, and I've not always been good about that because we sure like taking the proud route. We like doing things the way that gets us recognition and gets us attention and gets us honor. Like that member I had at my church and that I pastored before that would come in when the offering was done and the plates had already been passed and, 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 I, and the preacher, and he, he just, it took him 10 minutes to write a check, I guess, and he'd walk down the aisle and, and, and acknowledge every person there. And now listen, he was a simple-minded man, if you know what I mean. He wasn't, so nobody there, I don't believe, I believe he was innocent, but, but, but I've always thought about that. And how and listen, if we'd all be honest, we're all apt to choose that route that will make us look the best and oftentimes make others look the worst. The humble route. When we are full of pride, we're fighting against God. Did you know that? James 4 6 says, He, he giveth more grace, wherefore it saith, He saith, God resisteth the proud. Listen to me, when we become full of pride, we can do everything we're supposed to do and do it the way we're supposed to do it and it won't work out. Because we're fighting against God. Listen to me, it's hard fighting with God and with the help of God. But when we're full of pride, the Bible says that God will resist us. Now listen, I'm going to give you this quickly tonight. I'm going to show you some prophetic aspects of this chapter and then we'll move along. The vision of the tree is in verse 19. The Bible says this, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. And if the king only knew what he was about to say, he would have been troubled as well. He said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee. And the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. And I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar saying, oh, here we go. It's got, something bad's going to happen to them. You know, that's what pride will do. That's what pride, you know what pride will do? Whenever you read the Bible, it'll always be about somebody else. Whenever you hear a sermon, it'll always be about somebody else. It'll never be about, it's all, and, and, he, and, and I'd say, he said, man, but what he didn't understand is the reason Daniel was so scared and astonished is because what the reason was is what was about to happen to Nebuchadnezzar was what all of his enemies wanted. The tree that thou sawest which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves... Now, don't you notice this? It was one tree. And it was a large tree, tall and wide. It says, and it reached all... The entire earth was under this one tree. Now, don't you know, this tree, not only is it symbolic of Nebuchadnezzar and of his kingdom, but it's also, prophetically speaking, about a kingdom that's going to cover the earth one day. Not Jesus' kingdom, but a one world kingdom. It's, 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 it is a type of that system that is being put in place right now. You can believe what you want, but it's all the wheels are turning right now for this. And the Bible says this, And the fruit thereof much, the leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was and in it was meat for all. Do you see that? Meat for all. Let me ask you this. What does the Bible say about a man that does not work? He ought not to. 
You want to know why all the beasts of the field were under this tree? And why all the birds of the air were in this tree? You want me to tell you why? Food and shelter. Right. Let, me, let, me, I, let me just, let me, let me just, this is socialism. Everybody eats. Everybody's got to play. And listen, have you ever, we used to wonder how in the world could there be a one girl? How could anybody fall for this? But we're seeing it right now. And they're all coming under this tree. Why? Because they're giving everybody something. I got news tonight. These folks that won't work ought not to eat. I mean, that's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. You write it. If it was up to me, I'd say, you know, they ought to eat like, you know, uh, sauerkraut and things like that. And three-day-old bananas have been sitting out in the sun. And, and you know, but I'd at least give them something to eat. Table scraps or something. But God said a man don't work, ought not to eat. But now people are rewarded for not working. They actually can eat more if they don't work than they do work. Now, I'm, I'm not, this is not a hobby horse. This isn't an axe I'm grinding. This is what this is talking about. The reason they all come running under the tree was because they could find free food and free shelter. And that's what men and women are running to this government for. And this one war is going to give everybody everything they want for free. Look at this. It goes on to say, Is thou king that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reaches unto heaven, and thy dominion is to the end of the earth. And where is the king saw a watcher and the holy one coming down from heaven? That's Jesus coming. And uh, I believe, and, and I, anyway, I got, I'm gonna, I'll just, let me read it, and then I'll just tell you what I think, or what I believe the Bible says here. He says, Hew the tree down and destroy it. Yet let the slave the stump of the roots of in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be the beast of the field, till seven times pass over. Now, now quickly, I've got to get this so we can get through this tonight. <laughs> Prophetically speaking, listen to me. There's seven years. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, when he went out, what did he become like? He became like a beast. In the book of Revelation, for seven years, the world's going to be ruled by what the book of Revelation 25 times calls that Antichrist the beast. When Nebuchadnezzar went, and by the way, for seven years, there was chaos in Babylon. Why? Because the king was a beast in the field. And did you know tonight that that man that's going to rule that man of sin, that son of perdition, the Antichrist, he's going to be like a beast. And he's and listen, he lost his mind out there in the field, there in the world. And for seven years there was chaos. In seven years there was unrest because there was a beast in charge. I'm telling you tonight, one day that beast is going to rule this world. And then, and one, and one, and one day, they're gonna think that they got all that they wanted, but they're gonna lose. They've lost all that they had. And listen, he's gonna fool them for a while. He's gonna, he's gonna convince them for a while that he's not a beast. Uh, but listen, he is a beast. Revelation said he come from the bottomless pit, from hell. Listen, the Antichrist is gonna be the embodiment of Satan. Just as Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, the Antichrist is going to be Satan in flesh. And listen to me, this world doesn't realize what's coming down the tracks. And Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way that it's better to be humble than to be humble. Now look in verse 1. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar is the king unto all the people. Now here's almost like his salutation, if you would. 
Dear Abby, you know, this is like his hello. Unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the most that the high God hath wrought towards me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I want you to see this first of all, and I want you to see there was a heart full of praise. When I read this, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I had to read it several times to make sure I read it right. The first word of chapter 4 and verse 1, what's the first word? Somebody help me, it's Nebuchadnezzar. Now does that sound like something you'd hear Nebuchadnezzar say? That don't sound like the same man in chapter number 4, verse 28, 29, who said, I have done it all. I have built this kingdom. It's me. It's me. My honor. My glory. My... Now, no. Now he's saying it's him. It's him. It's him. Why is that? Because this was written after the seven years of crawling around like an ox in the field, sleeping in the field and eating grass and, and losing his mind. This is after he opened up his eyes and looked towards heaven and come to a knowledge of God. God. He's a different man. And listen to this tonight. I want to say that Nebuchadnezzar was a changed man. One man said this is the greatest conversion in the Word of God until we meet Saul on the road to Damascus. He was the most unlikely convert to the God of the Hebrew people. But after crawling around for seven years on his hands and feet and watching his nails grow up like eagles' claws and sleeping alone up with that wild animals and coming to know God, he said, I'm going to start this off by saying one thing. I thank Him for what He's done. I praise Him for how good He's been to me. Look at this in verse 1, what He desired. It says this, the last three, four, five words. Peace be multiplied unto you. Does that sound... When I read that, the first thing I thought about was that sounds like something an apostle would say. And I got out my sword searcher and I typed in peace be multiplied and lo and behold, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, peace be multiplied. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, peace be multiplied. Jude and verse 2, mercy and peace be multiplied. That's not Nebuchadnezzar. That's the changed Nebuchadnezzar talking. What I'm saying, you can read Psalms 137 about how these people were, the Babylonians, and how they treated other people in the war. These weren't peace lovers. They were war lovers. They were bloodthirsty men who loved to see people die and watch kingdoms fall and overrun people and put them into slavery. But now he said, I don't want war no more. He said, I desire peace for you. And I want you to know when you get saved, you don't want war. You want peace. And you don't want to just have peace. You want other people to have peace. He he said, listen, I say this to all nations and all languages and all people. He said, I want you to have peace like I have peace. I mean, there was a time he didn't have peace. He was crawling around like an animal, didn't have peace. He slept alone staring at the stars of the sky and he didn't have peace. But one glad day, he turned his eye toward God and realized who God was. And God raised him out of the field and put him in the palace and restored the crown. He said, I want you to be to have much peace as I have. Listen tonight, praise when it involves others. He said, I desire that you might have peace. That's not the old Nebuchadnezzar talking. Let me say, when you get saved, God will change your desires. 
He'll change your want to. How many tonight, if you think back in your life, the last Wednesday night in May, would you want to be in church on Wednesday night? Now I'm just assuming or presuming that everybody here wanted to be here tonight. There may be a few that didn't, but for, I believe with all my heart that the most, let's do a survey. How many of you tonight wanted to come to church? Let me see here. Now put it down. How many of you didn't? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But is that the same person you've always been? Has there always been that desire? Has there always been that longing? Has there always been that want? I'm saying tonight, we find a Gentile king who said, I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace. I'm saying that is the work of the grace of God in his heart and his life. And I want you to know if God could change Nebuchadnezzar, he can change anybody. He can change our sons and daughters. He can change our parents. He can change that one you love who's still astray from God. You say, Brother Mark, he don't want nothing to do with God he don't want nothing to do with church and she's not interested and she's living alive out away from God and against God if God I could change him he can change them amen. 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 amen what he desired peace to be multiplied now look at verse 2 he said I thought it good I thought it good Showed signs and wonders that the, mo- the high God hath brought it toward me. I want you to see not only what he, des- the, what he desired, but look what he decided. I thought it good. Let me, let me say this, and, and I've got one more verse. The praise involves a mental decision. When you come to church, you got to say, I'm, I think it's good that I'm going to give God praise. Yeah. A lot of times we sit back and wait on some feeling or wait on somebody else to sing or wait on somebody else to testify or wait on somebody else to go on or wait on, wait on the preacher to preach and maybe he's got a good one and if he's going to have to have a good one if I'm going to praise him and, and wait on some type of experience. But listen to me tonight. We all should say, I thought it good yeah. to thank God for what he's done. Amen. The Bible says this. Psalms 92 and verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. I want you to know tonight there's a lot of things that we might do in church that we'd say that's not a good thing to do in church. You kids running around here like you at Chuck E. Cheese, that ain't a good thing. I about had it up to here, I'm going to start breaking knees. I mean, I'm going to start uh, uh, giving time out. Time out. I meant time out. I mean, listen, it, there's some things, and it ain't a good thing. One time we was in Middle Tennessee, it's Friend Day. And on Friend Day, I mean, there was people from far and wide. And I mean, we had, there's probably 200 visitors there. I mean, it would be packed out, and it was a great, and I'm, I'm hoping to have one here, but we just ain't got many friends. But anyway, <laughs> but, and I remember we were sitting there, Brother David, and it was, it's always real tense when you get 200 lost people. You know what I mean? And most of them ain't been to church, you know, and, and, and everybody's praying and been working. And, and it's just like when, the, when it's time for preaching, I mean, it's like you can just feel the, you know what I mean? It's like watching the NCAA championship and the, when the referee's got that ball and he's about, or, or, the, or the World Series when they're about, and that you just feel that, you know, that, that you know, or, or, you know, in football when he's got, the kicker's got his hand up and they're about to kick off and that heart, you can just feel the tent. And, and it's always that way at, on friend day. It always feels 
feels that way. And one year, Brother Tony was up there. He's about to read. He's reading his text. And he's about to pray. I saw you here. I said, somebody's done popped a cocoa in here. And all of a sudden, you hear. And there was a lady had brought a sack lunch and a cold drink. And I mean, she was real. I guess she thought she was at the movies or something because she was up there. And, and she, of course, she was a, a visitor, so nobody could say anything. And I, I just was, I just wish when I heard that, I hope it's a church member so he can just go off on them tonight. Because on Sunday night, when all them people were gone, I was like, I hope he get. But anyway, she was just sitting there. Now, that's not a good thing to do in church. You understand? It's not a good thing. But I'll tell you what is a good thing thanking God. Amen. Praising God. And by the way, I want to say this. If you're not offering the sacrifice of praise in the house of God, it's highly likely. Now, I don't know for a fact, but I'm just going to, based on the odds, it's probably likely you're not offering it anywhere else. There's no better place more conducive for giving God praise than right here. We're friends. We're family. You understand? We're on the same team. We're on the same side. We love each other. We, don't, we, we want each other. And, and in here, we don't have to worry. Am I going to say the wrong thing? Or am I not going to say the right thing? As long as you're speaking in English and bragging on Jesus, you don't have to worry about it. And I don't care if you say the same thing every time you testify. I mean, it's a good thing to thank God. And Paul said the same thing over and over and over again. He'd tell the king, He'd tell her, he'd tell anybody that listened, he'd tell them the same thing. Oh, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, I thought it was good. And I want you, I want to say, hey, you thought right, Nebuchadnezzar. You don't have to ask, you don't have to ask permission. You don't, there's not gonna be a church vote. We're not gonna put it to we're not gonna table it or commit it or put it into later on to discuss at business meeting. It is a good thing for anybody who say, Who can give God thanks? That everything that hath brought, praise the Lord. Amen. Anyway, look at verse two, what he declared in his praise. He said in verse two. I thought it was good to show the signs and wonders. Verse 3, how great are His signs and how mighty are His wonders. He declared about the mighty power that, that God had revealed. Signs means this. It means a signal. A signal. You ever watch baseball and that coach is over there? None of that means anything unless he does that. Just to so you know. There's an indicator. And, and softball, they're so, I don't know. 2-14-8. I'm like, what? That's, what's, so, what's fun about that? I want to see a coach over there with, with some pants on that come up to about right above his calves and them socks with a stripe on it and a pair of turf shoes on and a baseball hat, two sizes, too small, sitting on top of his head, sweatbands on both arms, you understand, and batting glove in his back pocket. I want to see him over there. What's he doing? He's giving them a sign. He's trying to give him a sign. He's get what's the sign? He's trying to what's he trying to do? He's trying to get communicate to that one that's standing up there with the bat in their hand what he is trying to get them to do without letting the other team know about it. Yeah. 
And what, what, the, what I'm saying, I know that's silly, but the truth is, that's what these signs he's speaking of were for Nebuchadnezzar. He says, great are his signs. That, what he was saying is God's been given, it means a beacon or a flag. You know, in Bible times, they'd war, they'd raise different flags to tell what to do and how to do it and go left or go right or go forward or go back. He said, God, the mighty God, the most high God has given me some signs. He's tried to get my attention. He raised the flag in my life and said, you need to turn down. Hey, you need to turn back. You need to get right. And listen, I say tonight, I thank God for the signs in my life. Well, I was going the wrong way, down the wrong road, headed in the wrong path, but God raised the flag up. He raised, and by the way, the greatest sign there's ever been was 2,000 years ago on Calvary when they raised up the old rugged cross. And that was a sign for me and a sign for you how to turn from sin and run to Calvary and be saved. I thank God for that great sign, don't you? Everybody wants a sign. You've got your sign hanging on a rugged cross outside Jerusalem as the Lamb of God bled and died for my sin. Oh, I thank God for the signs in my life. I thank God for the man of God who pointed me to the sign and said, there's your sign. You know, what is that a sign that God loves us? That God will forgive us. <laughs> He'll cleanse us. He'll make us new. Listen to me. I'm saying tonight, how come we can't thank God for that great sign? He thanked God for the mighty power that He had revealed. He thanked God for the majestic position where He reigned or where He resided. He said, The high God. The high God. Remember, we had, He said He had a pride problem. Pride is when a man exalts himself, builds himself, gets high, you know, thinks he's bigger than he is. He said, no, I'm nobody. He's everything. He's the most high God. The Bible says in Psalms 108, verse 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, thy glory above all the earth. Ephesians 4, 6, One God and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in you all. I thank the Lord tonight. The old preacher said this. He sits on high, but he looks down low. Amen. Listen tonight, God, He not only has He got mighty power that He's revealed to us, but I think about the majestic position where He resides tonight. He sits in heaven on the throne of the earth. Think about that. Underneath His feet is the kingdoms of men and the stars of the sky. And thank God it's all just a little thing to Him. He is the Almighty God that resides forevermore. He's not your boss. It's not the President. Amen. It's not the. It's not Congress. It ain't the Supreme Court. It ain't China. Amen. It, it ain't China. But listen, but thank God it's Him and Him alone. We ought to thank Him for who He is. The most high God. The high God. The supreme God. That word means the one who no other is above. Amen. But then He talks about this. And I'm done. An everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And His dominion is from generation to generation. Now remember that first dream. The head of gold. And then what happened? The stone. Rock, not made with hands, crushed it. And remember the king, the, the image, gold head, iron, brass. And what it was is basically, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not going to be a king forever. And then, chapter 3, he built that image of gold 23 years later. Now, this is seven years later, so we're 30 years past chapter 2. But seven years later, 
I mean, 23 years later, the image of gold, that was a defined act towards God saying, no, this image is going to stand and it's going to be here forever and ever. Then this happens. He goes out there, crawls around like an ox for seven years. And, and now he says this, there's only one king who's going to reign forever and that's him. Amen. He thanked God, listen to this, the marvelous permanence by which he reigns. Hebrews 1.11, they shall perish, but thou remainest. The great, one of the greatest attributes to me of God is His immutability. He never changes. He remains. Psalms 102 and verse 27, but thou art the same. Thou art the same. We went Monday night to uh, um, somewhere. I preached somewhere down there and Brother Mark drove me, Brother Dylan. Anyway, Murfreesboro. And there was a lot of people there that I hadn't seen in seven, ten years. Used to go, and 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 you know, and you know, you're trying to be nice, especially when you're the one doing. You're going to be preaching. You want to be nice, and and you know, you see, and I and this, I didn't even recognize some of them. And, and what do you do? You're like, oh man, looking good. Yeah, good to see you. You know, <laughs> got it. Them fingers crossed. But you see, people and people change. I've changed. We all change. Gravity takes its hold on everyone. And and uh, um, one guy, he's always been a smart elk. He come up and said, "You," uh, he, and he meant it as an insult. Were you looking more like Brother Tony every day? I said, "Yeah." And you favor Joe Biden a lot more than anybody I ever met in my life. <laughs> I was after I preached, by the way, not before. Hey, he asked for it. You know what I mean? I was kidding, but But people change, don't they? Have you ever met a friend that you used to know or used to go to school and you meet them and you're just like, that's not the same person. I don't even know who you are. I had a friend growing up, me and him. He was bad company for me. I'll just be honest. And by the way, kids, if you want to do right, God will give you somebody to do right with. And if you want to do wrong, the devil will give you somebody to do wrong with. That's a fact. Amnon had a friend. And showed, you know, and led him into sin. But also, David had a friend named Jonathan who led him right. But I said all that to say something about friends changing. Yes. Oh, I had a friend who was a bad deal. Me and him always got in trouble. I mean, just, he was bad company. And when I surrendered, I got right with the Lord when I was 17, surrendered, preached about three months later. And I completely just, and him and I were like, you know, did everything together. We sat together. We was all, ever. I mean, it was, we, and, 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 and we just, I just stopped talking to him. And it was like eight, seven, eight years later, after I believe Kim and I were married, I saw him. Was that somewhere? At church? I think I was preaching, yeah, and he come to him. And we sat back there, and I tried my best to have a conversation with him. I couldn't talk to him. It was like talking to a stranger. I didn't even, it's like it was, there, there was something. And, 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 and I don't know if it was me. I know this, we had both changed. And I'm saying, I'm saying this though tonight, God never changes. Right. Nebuchadnezzar said, I've changed. I went from being the king to a beast. And back. He said, and my kingdom one day is going to come to an end. But his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation unto generation unto generation forever and ever. I wish I could be there for my kids when they've got kids and when they're kids. I wish I could be there so I could tell them how it's supposed to be done like my parents have done. Oh, it's going to be great. I cannot wait. But anyhow, uh, but I can't be there for them. I can't always.
always be there for them. I wish I could be there for you, Drew, forever and ever and ever. But one day, Dad's going to be gone. But your Heavenly Father will still be the same. And He'll still be on the throne. And you can still worship Him. Amen.